John Fritz Johnson was seen by many as a larger-than-life character, sporting a pencil-thin mustache, an eye patch, and a thick Chicago accent. Notable pastimes include throwing wild champagne parties and driving through town in his hearse. But to the utter shock of his wife, friends, and much of the American Midwest in the 1960s, wouldn't have anything on the true tale of this 30-something man. No, the truth of his life would be much stranger, whichever theory you choose to believe. Welcome to Fakes and Frauds. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Glennis, and I am joined today by the fantastic Sam Lake. You may know Sam from his podcast, I've Had a Rosé, Let's Talk About Feelings, or his work on Channel 4's Joy of Missing Out production. He currently co-runs Joy Multiplication and New Material Night with Chloe Pets, Olga Cock, and Huge Davies, which takes place every other Monday. He has also won a shit ton of awards and very conveniently happens to be an absolute gem of a human. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for mentioning all of my awards and TV credits as well. I really appreciate it. No worries. Um, what an absolute treat. We've got a task at hand. As you may know, Easter is just around the corner. Familiar, yes. Yes. And I thought perhaps we could cover some Easter-esque tales. So... Mm-hmm. Obviously, most of us are aware of the story of Easter. There's a bearded man in the olden days who gets killed in a very, I would say, OTT way. Do you agree? Very extra. Like, very. they really gave 110%. Yeah. And he did this, you know, with the noble cause uh, to ensure that we all have a brilliant excuse to eat a shit ton of chocolate and decorate our house in a rainbow of pastels. So taking this tale as inspiration for today's case, we will be discussing the mind-boggling case of Lawrence Joseph Bader, another 30-something fella who appeared to come back from the dead. Or did he? But first of all, Sam, I would love to hear your uh, thoughts on this joyous holiday. I'm not against it. I'm a fan of Jesus's earlier work, if I'm honest. Like, right, I'm yeah, yeah. Fan. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I love an Easter. I think... Um, I don't know if you would have had this when you were at school, um, but did you ever have to make a, a Chris Dingle? Uh, that sounds illegal. I don't know if it flew in Canada. <laughs> what is a Chris Dingle? A Chris Dingle is, don't ask me what it represents. I assume it's something to do with the crucifixion of Christ. It's an orange or a clementine or a, a round orange fruit. <laughs> And then <laughs> those are the only two that I could name. A satsuma, that's the one I was thinking of. Tangerine, anyway. Mandarin. Tangerine. Not yeah. to brag, no, no, a few. We're showing off now. And so you put tin foil on the top of it and then stick a candle in it. And then you put cocktail skewers in the orange that have like little sweets on them. So they're for like kids when they would come to like church for Easter service. And you do it in school as well in like your Easter assembly. And you light the candle and you have like a little Christingle ceremony and then you'd all like blow out the candles, you'd eat the sweets and then throw away the orange. Uh, yeah, did not crack the Canadian market. Um, Just that sounds, 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. That was his favorite snack. <laughs> yeah. 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 First testament. Absolutely. Um, I think I do remember at Christmas time, somebody handed our family as we were leaving church. I'm not a religious person, by the way. Someone handed us a nail as we were leaving the church. And we were like, why are you handing us a nail? It's like, we're giving them to everybody just to remember that Jesus died for our sins. And we're like, that's Easter. This is Christmas. And it was like, <laughs> like works at the church. I was like, this is Chris Stingle time. What are you talking about? <laughs> Give me my marshmallow on a stick. Yeah. Um, quite graphic as well, shall I? Oh my God. What, Jesus' crucifixion? Yeah. And just like, we don't need, like, come on. I think it's, you know, like, we don't need to get into the details, right? Um, I, I can't that anyone, like, around, like, the table was, like, saying to Jesus, like, Jesus, I'm just really worried. This has become, like, a really toxic workplace. <laughs> um, I don't want to say anything about, like, Judas, but, like, he has been making, like, comments that just make me feel uncomfortable and really like to have a tribunal. I'm sorry, but I've just got to. The HR department really fucked it, I think. They really... Absolutely. They, yeah. oh, imagine the spreadsheets they're going to have to fill out. <laughs> we just had um, just you know, painting eggs, eating oh, chocolate. Eating chocolate, yes. We painted eggs as well. We had an egg decorating competition every year at my school. Did you ever win? One time. I, I mean, we've already talked about my awards. I don't want to go on again. <laughs> um, I won, uh, I can't, okay. What kind of like palette were you working with? Do you have like, what was the design, the inspiration? Mm. Um, there's no way to say how I decorated the egg without sounding uh, gay, but there's nothing wrong with that. I had ribbon and a dream and, and somehow I literally egg. I think I painted it white. Don't remember why okay. I covered it in a green ribbon. Yeah. And when I say covered it, like most of the eggshell was still showing. Um, and then I put little gemstones on the river. <gasps> That's beautiful. It sounds a lot more beautiful. I'm describing it a lot better than it actually looked. And the thing was my friend um, entered as well. And theirs was so much better. They made, because you had to make it all on, on, in one day at school. They made a backpack and a parachute that like looked like it had opened like late. And then oh my God, like Humpty Dumpty. Yeah, and they cracked a bit of the egg on the front and then like put it like on the thing. So it looked like it was an egg that had gone parachuting, but the parachute just hadn't opened. And That's they better. didn't crack the top three. Wow. I would never forget that. But you, you're not still friends, are you? I assume. I would have cut you out of my no, life right after that. We stopped, we stopped talking after year five. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a ruthless competition. Who are the judges? I'm just, I'm imagining you in like, you know, project runway like with what's his name just being like make it work and you just like yeah. slaving away at this like minimalist oh, approach great well I'm glad you ruined someone's Easter <laughs> um, that's good perhaps perhaps you'll ruin even more I'm still a young man I have many years ahead of me to ruin many an Easter all right so story time listen up
Once upon a time, 1957, Akron, Ohio. There was a man by the name of Lawrence Edward Batter. He fancied himself a little day of fishing on Lake Erie. So he packed up his equipment, said goodbye to his wife and children and headed out the door. But as the sun set and this 30-year-old father did not return, Mary Lou Batter began to worry. The next day, her worst fears would be confirmed when the boat Lawrence had set out on had washed up ashore with notable damages and no sign of Lawrence. <gasps> a scandal. Oh, yeah. You think Can that's just... something? Yeah, go on. I find it very suspect, men who enjoy fishing, just in mm. general. Even, like, men who do it for a career... I think it's a certain type of man that would just like to be on a boat on their own with their feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't you find it suspicious? I don't. It, I, I don't think of it as an enjoyable activity. What about um, Bob Mortimer and what's his name? You know that fishing program. I really don't. What oh are my you god! About? Okay, so early lockdown, very okay. different, Glenn. I got. Well, first of all, I fancy Bob Mortimer a lot. That's um, fine. I know it's fine. Have you seen him as a young man? Oh, my days. Um, anyway, <laughs> really fancy Bob Mortimer. Beginning of lockdown, all very stressful. Needed some wholesome entertainment in my life. Got really into this program where he, because you know, how he had like that heart thing a few years ago. We like yes. almost died. And it was a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently there was this other guy. <laughs> This set, this is going to, people are going to be very upset about this, but I'm not from this country. Leave me alone. So Bob Mortimer and this other famous guy, who's also kind of old and also had a heart issue, uh, they start fishing and they just make a program about it. And it's very cute. And, but then it just like, it really, it, it encouraged my obsession with Bob Mortimer. Um, and I would just, I, it was just like porn, basically. I would just watch <laughs> Watch these <laughs> oh, two men, one bow. Oh, just have a good rub of the button to that, eh? Uh, don't get me started on the scene where he takes off his top to show his scar from his heart surgery. Oh my days, that was it. Oh. That was the end for me. Oh. I mean, I'm there. I would like a yeah. link to that YouTube clip, please. Yeah. Um, I do- the other guy, he's like famous too, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Not enough but- for us to remember. <laughs> I want to say like Whitehall. Is that it? Oh, Jack Whitehall. <laughs> Another old man. I don't know. He's like 32. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, fishing. Bit weird, but, you know, it's... Well, uh, except, like, men are flawed. I, I know exactly. that Exactly, yeah. So this guy goes out fishing. Mm-hmm. Never to return. Things are looking suspicious. Looking mm-hmm. sad not looking good so a few days later over 1200 kilometers away in omaha nebraska a man going by the name of john francis johnson but preferring to go simply by fritz began making a name for himself about town he claimed to be a navy vet and eager to work it wouldn't be long before this fritz fellow became somewhat of a local celebrity first working as a dj at the local radio station and then going on to become a tv sports director fritz was a true character sporting a pencil-thin moustache, flashy attire, including leather berets, and often drove a hearse with incense filling the cab. I mean, 
I, I'm pretty sure aesthetically you're describing one of the village people, but like. But this is also the 50s. This is late 50s. He was beyond, he was so ahead of his time. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely a trendsetter, but I feel like he's the, the village person that like, they were like, you're a bit much for this band. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you have leather, too many things happening. Yeah. Like the mustache, the hat, they kind of go together, but the hearse, you're a DJ but also a sports director, like pit, like we all have like very easily identifiable jobs. Like, what was it? Like construction worker, Indian. Cowboy. Crush- yeah, cowboy. Um, like hearse driving leather daddy is, is a stretch. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But this is like, hmm. Also, how do you feel about men who give themselves nicknames? Yeah, not into it. Like no. if I've if I've made it 29 and three quarters of years mm-hmm. keeping with my birth name of Glennis, <laughs> I'm sorry, no one else has an excuse to change their name. <laughs> if I can if I can get through it, we're all going by our birth name. Sorry. You not like your name? Um no. I think <laughs> The answer is no. I am okay. um, like it's not the worst name. Um, the the thing is, I think that like everyone's like, oh, it gives you character and blah blah blah. Um, but it's like you know what, Sarah without the H, that could have done the same job, you know. Mm, yeah. But yeah, also giving yourself a nickname. Like I get obviously we all had like a punk name if we you know went down that route as a as a young teen. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, to, as a 30 year old, Fritz, come on. Nah, nah, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. So Fritz was easily uh, one of the most popular men in town during this time, often hosting, quote, wild champagne parties in his apartment. Those are sex parties, right? That's this. Everything that you're saying just makes him sound really gay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, again, 50s so probably a lot wrong with that at the time but yeah. obviously now we like that's all well and good but like a wild champagne party okay yeah yeah i can read between right? the lines there fritz's hedonistic lifestyle spanned from openly rejecting the construct of marriage i mean the, it's adding up now mm-hmm. and opting to furnish his home in pillows rather than proper furniture okay so yeah i have no problem with that what kind of pillows? I, I'm picturing like um like big floor pillows. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can you can picture that as like a kind of boho vibe. Yeah. Or you like, can picture what like the average 30-year-old man, <laughs> what kind of pillows they have, which is like pretty gross, pretty sad. So like, like pillows everywhere, like two whole pillows, and that's all the furniture in the flat. Exactly, that's like yeah. a man's version of a lot of pillows. Yeah, <laughs> like I've redecorated. Three. I bought a new pillow, so now I have three. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So he continued to attract attention when he spent uh, an impressive thirty days living in a box on top of a flagpole to raise money for polio, which is great, right? We love, we, we don't love polio, but we love 
people raising money. Yeah, it's very like David Blaine when he was in like yeah. the Perspex of the Park. Very interesting. He's a bit of a trendsetter. Yeah, yeah. And I think, because um, I, I was trying to think about like, well, why is he, why is he living on top of a flagpole? Like, mm. and then I was, I was thinking about like the ice bucket challenge. Remember that little throwback? Um, yes. And I th- if, if I'm not mistaken, the whole thing with the ice bucket challenge was, it was supposed to be raising money for ALS. Um, mm. And it kind of came to be because I think a lot of like ALS symptoms sort of are compared to like the feeling of like having ice on your head and stuff. Right. So then I was, <laughs> I was thinking when you have polio, yeah, does it feel like you're living on top of a flagpole? Oh, wow. And then, I mean, the answer is no. Well, I don't oh. know. But, but, but then I thought, is it because it's called polio? That is a reach. <laughs> <laughs> I just would like to know of all the questions about this story. This is. <laughs> that would be so fantastic if that was actually true. Like that's the best way to recreate the symptoms of polio. I'm, I don't know why I was thinking of that Katy Perry song. Where she's like, do you ever feel like a plastic bag? You, you might have typhoids. Please consult the doctor. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently they like uh, brought him up cocktails up there and coffee and all sorts. So oh, co- okay, coffee and cocktail. Like so, it was like he he was like waited on hand and foot. Yeah, basically, that's what happened. Okay. He had a a little probably like a little champagne sex den up there. Oh, probably classic Fritz. I know, right? Mm. So, despite his earlier antics about marriage, in 1961, Fritz married a woman by the name of Nancy Zimmer and is noted as proclaiming to his friends that he had never been so happy in his entire life. Well, I mean, just like, married a woman. I I was wrong. Well, I mean, who knows? Um, But also, like, this is, like, happier than champagne parties. So... I mean, that is quite a lovely thought. Yeah, he just, yeah. it's beautiful. So unfortunately, a few years into his marriage, Fritz was diagnosed with cancer and he had uh, to have one of his eyes removed in order to remove the growth. This resulted in the charismatic man sporting an eye patch, uh, something that only seemed to add to his bubbling eccentricity. Yeah, that's really fit. He was, he, I don't think he was mad about that. No, I mean, like, especially, it was definitely a leather eye patch as well. Yeah, matched. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, he, like, yeah, cancer is not good. We all, we all know about that. But I think <laughs> of, of all, of all the flavors that you could get, the one that yeah. results in you having an eye patch. Yeah, it's like, if I really hope this cancer just like leaves me with something sexy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the least it could do. Yeah, right. So this, this life of Fritz's, it's going to take a turn. Mm. Things you are might, changing. You might say it's going to go on the Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might say that, and I might edit it out. <laughs> um. See, it was during a sports show in Chicago where Fritz was demonstrating archery equipment that he was approached by a young woman. 
Tap, tap, mm-hmm. tap. <laughs> that's that's a young woman tapping him on the shoulder. This young woman simply stated, pardon me, but aren't you my uncle, Larry Badder, who disappeared seven years ago? Despite his eye patch, mustache, and reportedly thick Chicago accent, she had instantly recognized him through the crowds. That is a twist. Mm-hmm. We forgot uh, about Larry, didn't we? We certainly did. That is fascinating. But also, I mean, I've certainly like seen people in crowds and thought that I'd recognized them and have been tempted to go over. But then almost every time, it's definitely not that person. But I've already waved to them. So it's already nice and awkward. But this girl is just like, that's quite like the thing to like go, that guy over there, without question, that is definitely my uncle, Larry. That has to be. I don't know why he's dressed like a leather pirate, but that's definitely him. I would never, even if I thought like, like, my mum has been dead for some time. If I saw her in a crowd, even if I was convinced it was her, I would not go up to her. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like you really have to like suspend disbelief for a second. Just be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go walk over there and tell that person they're my mum. That's crazy. What, 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 can I ask? I'm not sure I can pin down what a Chicago accent sounds like. What I'm asking is, will you do a Chicago accent? I don't, I don't know if I can. It's like Chicago. <laughs> it's not like that. I don't know. It's like, it's oh. like, it's like, it, I think it's like a sort of like a New Yorky kind of like drawly thing. Because I would like talk probably like um, Catherine Zeta-Jones in the film Chicago. Well, I was going to say, I can't remember anyone's accent in that film. Yeah. I was slightly distracted. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. He was speaking like that. Oh, um, oh I love that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, just like piling up the quirks, doesn't know when to stop. He's quirky, isn't he? Bear quirky. If he was around today, he would like be a steampunk and ride a penny fire thing. Yeah, he absolutely would. Um, and like go to like cyber dog. I don't know what that is. I don't want to know what that is. Is it in Camden? It is. It's like a fetish shop, but there's like podium dancers as you walk in and like, it's a whole thing. Right. Okay. I mean, I want to say I don't judge, but I do. I heavily, heavily (laughs) judge. (laughs) Right. So this little lady, she rolls up to him. Oi, uncle, what is this look? (laughs) (laughs) Um, reportedly Fritz uh, responded by simply laughing off the question but the young woman inquiring was so confident that this was indeed her missing uncle that she called her dad and another uncle and insisted they come to see for themselves when they arrived they too were convinced that this was their brother who went missing from Akron, Ohio all those years ago Fritz adamantly denied this accusation and willingly handed over his fingerprints to the men. The next day, Fritz received a call at work from Lieutenant Emil Guise, who went on to say, quote, those prints I took off your fingers in the prints of Lawrence Batter are identical. Either you are he 
or this is something from outer space or beyond? I mean, that's bonkers. But what I find even more difficult to get my head around is like, did did her father and uncle just like drop everything to come meet a guy yes. who might look a bit like, did they not have jobs? Apparently, some sources say that they hired a fucking private jet. What? With what? Like, get a life. <laughs> I mean, I get, okay, this is the 60s. It's probably pre the sexy revolution. So they're probably still like just being boring and not having birth control. <laughs> so I imagine. And so okay. maybe they're like, right, it's either this or watching some shitty telly. Yeah, Let's, like watching, watching what a else? sitcom. The, the guy like abuses his wife and it's funny. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, it's this or let's pop over to this archery thing four hours away. Also, I didn't even, I didn't, until you just said it, didn't even like question why Fritz was at an archery exhibition because of course that's where he'd be. <laughs> he does not have normal hobbies. No, he, no, he doesn't. Mm-mm. He likes to be at the top of top of flagpoles with his bow and arrow, raising money for polio somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So this lieutenant is like, you're an alien <laughs> or you're this this guy. This is this is these are the options he's laying out, basically. Okay. Just based off the uh, fingerprint. Yeah. Okay. So in Omaha, many recall Fritz talking about his childhood in an orphanage. Fritz claimed to have a lifetime of memories as John Johnson and described the call from the police lieutenant saying, quote, up until that point, I had no doubt that I was not Larry Badder. But when I heard that, it was like a door slammed and someone hit me in the face. Okay. Who's John Johnson? John Johnson is Fritz's like real name. Oh, of course. But Fritz is like his fun we all know him as Fritz around here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of things that I was watching about this case criticised the name John Johnson, being like, what a, what a dumb name to come up with. Um, mm. And it's like, no, it's like a double bluff, I think. But then also he what? claimed that all of the babies who were abandoned at this orphanage were all called John Johnson, which, thinking about it now, bad idea from the orphanage queen i think they could have at least like numbered the children so you could tell them apart yeah so i think that does sound like a made-up name when you take the fritz out of it if it were me and those are the only names i could come up with i would have just flipped them and i'd have i'd have been johnson john <laughs> right nobody would be oh that is like exotic and quirky like john johnson ugh, johnson john Excuse me? Hello? But that just means, like, p- penis sex buyer. If you're a Johnson John. Because Johnson means penis and John means someone who buys sex. Oh, I... Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it definitely does. Yep. Yeah. That's... Yeah, now, like, now I can only hear penis... Penis sex... Sex buyer. <laughs> I mean, I uh, my surname is Johnson. 
Okay. That's fine. Thank you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but I do remember it's well, like it's brought up the penis thing, not me. I know, I know. But like I guess over here, Johnson is less of a rude term. It's less but, phallic. Yeah. Where I come from, might as be called might as well be called like Glennis Jizz face, you know? Would have been better. Consider that. That is a name destined for some kind of stardom. Yeah. I mean, I am due for a personal rebrand, the big three oh coming up. Who knows? Same. Are we the same age? I thought you were like, I couldn't tell if you were really old or really young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 29. Okay, so you're that's in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, Fritz is like, oh my God, what? <laughs> I thought <laughs> I was, I thought I was Fritz. And they were like, nope, nope, okay. you're not. So he was shocked. Um. So as you can imagine, once the news broke that uh, Fritz and Lawrence Bader were one in the same, this man had much to answer to. Firstly, his first wife, Mary Lou, was not very pleased at the developments, telling a reporter, quote, I just wish it wasn't true. <laughs> we had become adjusted, we had adapted, and we had accepted his death. It was just, well, wrong that this has happened. M Mary Lou is getting dicked down and this is an inconvenience for her. That's what she's saying there. She was like, I was happy he's dead. I have been really just, just getting it and loving it. And I respect yeah. that. hundred percent. She mm -hmm. is not, not hiding her feelings. So fair. Yeah. His new wife, however, vowed to stand by her man, despite the circumstances. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, Let's look at what we know about this Lawrence Batter guy. Lawrence Batter was born to a very well-off family and was reported as being quite a spoilt young man. He spent time in the army before enrolling in college, but this route didn't really suit him as he spent more time at his hamburger stand. <laughs> he had a hamburger stand, okay? And he was very into it. It was outside yeah. of his college and that's where he hung out. <laughs> um, and he hung out there so much that he eventually uh, dropped out. By his late 20s, he had started working as a cookware salesman and started a young family. But behind closed doors, this family was $20,000 in debt, which is about $180,000 today, or 130,000 British pounds. Mm -hmm. Lots. Lots. That is a lot of that means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And with their fourth child on its way, the stress was undoubtedly mounting on the couple. It was also revealed that he had been evading taxes... And the IRS oh. was hot on his tail. Okay. All right. Well, now he sounds interesting. Mm. He's he not just some man floating in a boat. <laughs> He's got mystery. Yeah. He's got a backstory. Yeah. So back to this Fritz character. Despite claiming to have a full set of memories, including being raised in an orphanage and spending 14 years in the Navy, there was absolutely zero proof of his existence before arriving in Omaha. Upon the dramatic development, Fritz slash Larry hired a lawyer to assist with the new claims. On their advice, he was assessed by a team of psychologists and a neurologist who ended up revealing that they found no proof that this man had any recollection of his life as Lawrence Bader. 
This was like, yeah, so this was the 60s. A lot of people who talk about this case are like, ooh, one of the biggest mysteries of all time. How did this happen? Whoa, whoa. I'll tell you how it happened. It was the 60s. Things were not as advanced as they are now. These guys were wrong. I was just going to say, how did they actually, like, check? Like, did they just I, ask, like, do you, do they, <laughs> do they just go, like, do they just go, like, are you Lawrence? And you'd be like, no. Like, are you Lawrence Badger? No. And then they would go, like, Lawrence says what? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm sure that they probably did, like, as much as they thought was possible at the time. Right. But, like, and yeah, I don't think there was any like advanced sort of MRIs or like probing going on. <laughs> I'm sure there was in his hearse, but not, perhaps not in. Definitely not Lawrence. His anus yeah. is much looser. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think, I just don't think it's a mystery. Do you think it's a mystery? Do you think that this guy actually just like made up all this like lifetime of, you know, supposed memories? And mm. I mean, it seems likely, doesn't it? He's got like stuff to escape from. It doesn't sound like him and Mary were loving life together. So I don't know if she, if it was something they like planned together or mm. maybe he went on his fisherman's trip and was like, oh, I've just got like a way to fix everything. I'll just do it. Because maybe maybe he knew that if he told her this plan, then she'd be an accomplice. But if she doesn't know about it, then she would actually just think he's dead and she would just move on with her life. Yeah. Well, and she wouldn't like, oh, he's still out there somewhere. Maybe I'll try and go find him and then that could ruin everything. We'll listen to this. Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Following his disappearance, Mary Lou, the OG wife, as she likes to be called uh, mm -hmm. in formal documents, she received $30,000 in life insurance, which is approximately $345,000 uh, American dollars or £248,000 today. A whopping sum that she was ordered to pay back with interest upon his resurfacing. Ouch, that's so harsh. Right? Did they think she was in on it? Like she knew that he wasn't really dead? They don't really say, um, but apparently, you know, that doesn't matter. But right. that obviously makes you think that if she wasn't in on it, she mm. also probably wasn't that upset. She got right. quite a bit of cash. She was like, I've got my money. And, like, I'm free of my husband. Like, I'm fine. Double whammy, right? Yeah. The TV station where he worked was quick to let him go, and he returned to making minimum wage as a bartender. Despite her promises to stick by him, Nancy, she left him. Ugh. He was now responsible for paying child support to two women uh, on his already very, very low income. He was forced to take up residency at the YMCA and his cancer returned. Lawrence mm. Batter slash Fritz Beret Johnson died 
at age 39. <laughs> <laughs> it's because that- we were talking about turning 30 this year. And so we're thinking like, oh, we're only like a few months away from death. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so he died age 39 with his story being never truly solved. Hmm. So it's a bit oh. of a grim ending. Uh, I think we can all agree. Yeah, but he's already died like a few times by this point. So like, what's He's used to it. This is... (laughs) I mean, this is the story we know. Well, exactly. I mean, are any of these people alive today? Mm, Maybe. Maybe the kids. Yeah. Yeah. From what like happened to everybody afterwards. So he has to like now be responsible for both wives, even though, is it not, is bigamy not a crime yet? So when he was like sort of discovered, they did look into charging him with bigamy, but apparently uh, they couldn't kind of go to court with it because, you know, this theory of him having this very strange form of amnesia was kind of corroborated by this like medical team. So the courts were kind of like, oh, Okay, yeah, maybe he didn't know he was a bigamist. So he just they just let him... Uh, they, that sounds wrong. They let him keep both wives. They, <laughs> they, it sounds like they insisted that both women stay. This is so weird, because they must have, like, at some point made a decision as to whether or not he is... They must have decided, yes, he is this person, he just doesn't know it. So he's now responsible for this person who he says he doesn't know who that is so I think that like they said that the second marriage was now sort of like void um oh so he yeah but then apparently Mary Lou she was like a really diehard Catholic and she didn't believe in divorce and but she was like engaged to this other guy and she was like, probably well excited. She's going to bone this new guy, right? right. And then <laughs> the cock block of the fucking century. <laughs> this, yeah. Rolls in. And um, apparently they like, kind. I think they sort of entertain the idea of like, you know, giving it one last uh, go. But uh, eventually I think they did just get divorced. Okay. Well, I mean, like, it sounds like she would need to like remarry to in some way to get more money. She's now got like yeah. a huge bill to the government. Yeah. And she's did got she, four kids. That's she, not an easy did, sell. After he died, did she end up remarrying? Uh, I think so. Let's, let's say yes. And they're very happy. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 They, they're happy for Mary Lou. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting case. Um, I think mm. that the most interesting part is how uninteresting it is in a way that you know the internet likes to think this is like this wild tale, and it's like mm. probably just a guy, bit bored, lots of debt, and also like the fact that you know he led this kind of wild life as Fritz. Yeah. Surely he knew, you know, because like, like he went really hard on the whole in reinventing himself. Absolutely. Like, that's the most interesting thing is not that like 
came up with this plan. It's like the character that he chose to be afterwards. Like, have you ever yeah. thought about if you were in his position, who you would like reinvent yourself as? If you just like ran away and like faked your own death, who would you come back as? Sarah Jessica Parker, first season, Sex and the City. Interesting. Okay. When, like, when the hair was like really frizzy. I'm mostly just interested in the hair, to be honest. She was very frizzy. That's fine if your new identity is mostly hair based. She yeah. was vi- was very frizzy in season one. Yeah. Um, who would you be? Um Okay, well, first of all, if you okay. Google you, which I would never do, that's weird. <laughs> Google image search. There's been a few versions already. Of Sam Lake. Oh, well, yeah, and I'm aware of them because sometimes I get emails that are supposed to go to the other Sam Lakes. Oh, no, no, I just mean, like, bearded young Sam Lake. Oh, shit. Oh, right, I see what you mean, of my face. Yeah. But, like, different. I have, I go on, like, a facial hair journey. I had a bit, I had a quite thick, bushy beard for about two years, shaved it all off, then, like, did like some stubbly thing for a while and now we're here with like porn stash very I'm a fan. this is my favorite one thank you I think I think it's very fitting me I think the fact that you said you can't tell if I'm really old or really young <laughs> that's exactly where I want to be and I think that's because of this as a Caucasian person that is a very hard thing to do our genes are trash <laughs> um yes but um, yeah. I think I want to come back as like, I don't know, like an acrobat, like a flexible one. Like, Which is you, but flexible. Well, I am kind of flexible already. That is a waste. I just like to be like me, I think. <laughs> I'm happy How... me. I'm comfortable in my own body. <laughs> How, like, yeah, exactly. When you're already at the top, there's nowhere left to go. I understand. I could... I would try and think of like a uh, somebody who is famous, but like in like a kids' TV show, like the like the baby from the Teletubbies. And I would like just tell everybody. I would like move to I don't know, let's say like New Zealand, and I would just tell everybody like, oh, what was I doing up until that? Oh, I was the baby in the Teletubbies, and you would not believe like the residuals. Like they just keep me going. Um, and and yeah now and and then they just be like oh I I just stretch I just stretch on the beach <gasps> yoga teacher that's it there we go now we're there I'd be a yoga teacher you you can just train to be a yoga teacher <laughs> yeah but like a yoga teacher but like but like somewhere else <laughs> okay what well, what a what a journey. What a journey we've been on. The journey is not mm. over, though, is it? We, um, no, it's not. The tables are turning. Sam has a tale for us. Mm. And, um, yeah, so we're working with this Easter theme. What have you got for us? Well, the other thing you mentioned about Easter is chocolate. Um, yes. And I do enjoy chocolate. I tend to cheap out on my chocolate. I don't think it needs to be fancy or like 
artisanal um but that is very popular and so the story that i have to tell is about two guys called the mast brothers and you can tell they're up to something shifty with this like business they started up they started up a chocolate company that specializes in something and i had to look this up and i didn't really get a straight answer bean to bar chocolate i don't know what right. bean to bar means i feel like that is the move that female gymnasts do when they're on the uneven bars and they put it <laughs> bean to bar right yeah it's, they, it definitely is like a lesbian sex position it's a lesbian set yeah they make they make lesbian chocolate um great and if that i mean that's not true but like side notes we should definitely start a lesbian chocolate company if that isn't 100 yeah so these guys they are typical like hipster boys with like an economics degree they have like beards but like full bushy beards like mm. a couple weeks ago that level of beard right. and they've got like mustaches that like have the little curls at the end Ugh. they're very hipstery so of course they would start a luxury artisanal chocolate brand and they start the brand mast brothers and it does very well it's very successful um i forget where it started i think it started i want to say in brooklyn i may have made that up but like they they came out with like six different types of chocolate bar like dark chocolate and other kinds of fancy chocolate right like the ones slightly less dark chocolate. yeah 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 but they come up with six different bars which everyone is like that's a lot of bars like start making on your first try do you not think maybe you should just try and make one really well and then see how it goes and they were like no we're gonna do six uh and we just we just believe that we can do that and everyone was saying like that's really difficult especially if you're doing it bean to bar which I think, I, I guess that means like you make it yourself or like you you take the beans, you grind them, roast them, whatever you do to like turn them into chocolate. You do that yourself. Yeah. In your own so I guess premise. rather than like buying like a bunch of cocoa, bunch of sugar. Yeah. yeah. They, like they're they, doing from the source. Okay. Yeah. From the source. Yes. So, and so they come out with this chocolate and it does very well. It's like, proper pricey it's like ten dollars a bar which is like unreasonable um but people love it and i was thinking about this i remember um you know that show the apprentice yeah they had a a challenge one week where they had to make they had to make and brand uh, a box of luxury chocolates and they have they've got like an after show where they interview an expert in that industry about how they thought they did and they had the woman who uh, created green and blacks, you know, green and mm. blacks chocolate. Yeah. And they were asking, well, how did you come about making green and blacks? And she was like, well, I knew someone who had a lot of chocolate lying around. And so <laughs> I just came up with some fancy packaging. I didn't know what to call it. So I just thought, what are two colors? Green and black. Okay, we'll just call it that. And here we are. And I'm not even like paraphrasing that much. That's genuinely what she said. She was just like, oh, I'll just call it green and black and it's chocolate and blah. And that is like a really popular brand and people think, oh, that's fancy chocolate. And that's exactly what these guys did. It's fancy packaged chocolate with like a backstory. And like every bar has like a little like sort of like quirky note written on the back of it that said, you know, like on the back of like an innocent smoothie. And it will say like, 
hey, bitch, carrying a chocolate. Yeah, you deserve it. You are owning the world and we are just here to fill your stupid, dumb mouth with some delicious, creamy, like, dark chocolate and you're going to enjoy it and love it and get your best life. By the way, to heterosexual men, um, just feel like I need to clear that up. Anyway, enjoy the chocolate. It's that kind of vibe. They put more effort into the packaging right. than the actual chocolate. And so they get really successful. They like they start small in like you know in in like their apartment, and then they're able to afford um, like a like a like a proper office, and then the office becomes a factory, and then they go to like other countries, they come to the UK and they are doing really well. And like, they make like, I think they have a record of like selling the most chocolate on one weekend and they make something ridiculous, like $30,000 in one day, which is a lot of money. Um, it's like, that's the kind of money that you get, like if your husband dies, right? Yeah, that's, like, yeah, a yeah. Lot of- so, and everyone who's like, watching these guys growth they're just kind of like this is fascinating and these guys are making cookbooks and showing do we know when this was going down oh like 2000 i actually don't know 2015 is a date that i have in front of me so yeah so sorry they started their company in 2007 2015 is when they're like peak like valentine's day sales are like through the roof these guys are like oh my god And then it gets to the point where, like, people are like, how good is this chocolate really? Like, bean to bar, are are we sure, like, these guys are, like, actually, is is this stuff, like, legit? Like, is it all made by themselves? Because they're making so much chocolate. There has to be, like, some, like, workaround or something that we don't know. Secret Willy Wonka situation. Mm -hmm. So it turns out, and I'm trying to, like, look on this article who actually discovered it. But essentially what they did, so if it's bean to bar, or you just work with the beans and you've got your own ingredients, you make it yourself. But cheaper chocolate brands, sometimes what they'll do is they will pay another company to make like a base chocolate for them. So it's a chocolate that you can like melt down and then add stuff to, like if you want to put like nuts and fruit or flavorings in it. And it turns out that these guys were buying chocolate from this company in, I don't know where, let's, where somewhere fun. I can find it somewhere. <laughs> Valrona, that's who it is. They're French. Okay. So it turns out these guys were buying like ready-made chocolate um, from this French company, Valrona, who specialize in making chocolate for other chocolate companies so that they can do their own stuff to it. But that's not the same as a bean to bar thing. And when somebody discovered this, they reached out to the brothers and said, can we just check with you? Like you say it's like bean to bar, but is it really like, cause it says that this says that you've like purchased ready-made chocolate from this other company. So what are you, what are you doing with that and they said oh we just buy that so that we can like test out new flavors and we don't actually put it in the products and then they discovered later actually they fully do put it in the products in fact Mm. it's in one of the bars 
So it wasn't bean to bar at all. They were telling people, oh, we're just like, you know, okay, maybe it's in like a few of the products, but like that's just until like we can expand to the point where we can go fully like bean to bar. Every time I say it, I just think that poor girl's vagina. <laughs> go fully bean to bar. And it just wasn't true. And it is just so typical of like, don't you think it's typical of like new brands where it's definitely like marketing over mm. of the product? It's like, does it look nice? Then it probably is nice, except more often it's not nice. Well, also like probably when they came around and, you know, t- 2007 or whatever, no one knew what Bean to Bar was. Exactly. It's a completely so they're, new they're, they're like introducing this new thing to make people want it and then not give it to them. Can't you just make chocolate with nice packaging that tastes delish? They probably would have done fine. What's the problem with that? Like there was a thing, it's the same with um, restaurants that want to do, what is it called? Like farm to hole, farm to mouth, not hole. (laughs) Farm to mouth. That's a completely different service. (laughs) You know, like farm to mouth, like they, like everything's farm to table. I think it's farm to table. Am I saying, okay. I don't know why I wanted to bring an orifice into it. Farm (laughs) to table makes more sense, doesn't it? Farm to table to mouth to hole. That's (laughs) farm to table to mouth to hole. It's the circle of life. Um, (laughs) So. It's that kind of feel like people love to feel like, oh, it's a really like authentic experience. Mm. And it does make me think of like people who are like a bit too into dark chocolate. Do you know what I mean? Like there's always somebody who's just like, I don't really do milk chocolate. I just find it's like too sweet and too full of sugar. I prefer dark chocolate because then you can really just like appreciate the flavor. Dark chocolate is shit. It's like- The flavor is poo. Yeah, it's poo, it's it's chalky, the texture's weird, like milk chocolate is like really popular for a reason. It tastes really nice, even the cheap stuff. So I, we will just chalk. I have a huge issue with people who are like, I just don't really like sweet things. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. you do. Sugar does something to your body and your brain, yeah. which means it equals happiness. And if you're yeah. going to deny that to yourself, you can get fucked. That's just okay? so sad. What a sad little life, Jane. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like yeah. my first ever yeah. boyfriend, Lee O'Neill, hi Lee, told me some very wise words once, not mm-hmm. related to this, but I'm going to share oh. them with you. Okay. If anyone <laughs> ever tells you they don't like Blink-182, they're lying to themselves and the world. <laughs> And I feel the same way about sugar. Why, okay. why are you denying yourself of something so glorious? That's true. I mean, yeah, you, you just have to, it's like, I'm not a dessert person. Don't come to dinner then. Stay home. <laughs> Don't go out. Just yeah. stay Walk in your little hole. You stay at home. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, dark chalk can be delish if you put like, a, if it's not like super dark and you get like the sea salt ones quite into that. Okay. Have had, had, had a bit of that. I have had a bit of sea salt chalk or a, a, a salted caramel chocolate. Mm. Mm. 
it does it does it took me a while to get to get into it but like the salt does add something it does yeah um okay so these guys got cancelled and now they died at 39 um yeah sure i mean this this doesn't say like i'm pretty sure they're still like a functioning company because like i feel like when you get away with something for that long you kind of just like you're you're almost too big to fail like we know how Mm. like awful amazon is but like everyone still uses amazon prime we don't feel good about it but like so there's probably people who are like well i don't care where mass chocolate comes from i just i really like it so they'll still have like a whole customer base they might have to like maybe the company gets smaller but like they they still have a successful company. So I guess like the message is if you're a, a man and start a business, everything will work out fine for you, even if you're bad. And they're double the man. They're, they're two of them. There's two whole ass men. Uh, and you know I'm, what? Sure I'm, not even, I'm not even confident they're brothers or masts. I don't know what's real. I don't, yeah. It's been a lot like, can we trust men again? That's a lot of this, of this episode, I think. Exactly okay what 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 a lovely evening we've had i Um, really myself yeah me too um thank you so much for joining us sam thank you for having had me (laughs) glennie thanks um if you liked Sam's jokes, which I'm sure you did, uh, you can find him on the internet. Where can they find you on the internet? They can find me either on my website, samlakecomedy.com, or on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok, um, uh, at Mr. Sam Lake. Great. Uh, these will all, of course, be in the show notes. And do uh, make sure to pop by joy multiplication it is a great time i will probably be there heckling crashing in some way shape or form um and if you liked this podcast please do rate subscribe um also worth mentioning we have a new logo it is very exciting it makes us look super profesh it's done by the amazing molly bland uh please look her up and uh give her lots of love and um yeah rate subscribe tell your mums tell your dads (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.